It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we continue our prospect preview series with a look at Baylor guard Keontae George. He seems to have a lot of scoring punch, but is he maybe just a taller version of the type of player that Toronto Raptors fans are trying to shoo out the door? We'll get into that on today's episode. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, May the 31st, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean if you're still using Twitter, which every single day gets worse over there, baby. Also, you can follow the show on Instagram, and if you want a fun place to come hang out, talk ball, talk raps, the Locked On Raptors Discord, baby, that's the place to go. The link is in the description of the podcast, both in the audio and video feeds, and uh, we'd love to have you in there. It's a really great time. I'm handing out free stuff once in a while. It's a, it's a really, really wonderful little community we're building. Some good vibes, no uh, no a-holes is the rule, and uh, everyone seems to be upholding that rule with aplomb so far. So come hang out in our little Lockdown Raptors Discord community. Uh, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. This episode uh, brought to you by the number one sports book in North America, baby. It's the official sports book of Lockdown as well. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. All right. On today's show, we continue our look at some of the prospects who are going to be there potentially for the Raptors at number 13 in the upcoming NBA draft, which is now just like three weeks and a couple days away. Nuts. It's crazy. It's creeping up fast. We got a lot of guys to get through here in the coming weeks on the show, which we will continue to plow through 
all these prospects who are kind of in that range at 13, going one at a time on these episodes. And today we're talking about Keontae George, the 6'4 guard out of Baylor. We'll get into why I have some pretty serious concerns about him so far among the guys we've talked about. I, I think he's probably the bottom of my list as far as like the big board for the Raptors at 13. We'll get into the reasons why. Get into reasons why I could absolutely be wrong about that as well and the offensive chops that could translate a little bit more effectively at the NBA level. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll dive into all the ups and downs of the Keontae George experience. Before we dive into all of that, however, let's just kind of give you the tail of the tape, huh? Keontae George, 6'4 guard, played a Baylor as a freshman this past season, averaged 15.3 points per game, uh, put up 4.2 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.2 blocks, 2.9 turnovers, more turnovers than assists. That's a problem. 42.4% on twos. Not amazing. 33.8% on threes. 79.3% on free throws. And a 52.4 true shooting percentage. The efficiency numbers don't exactly pop off the screen. If they do, it's for bad reasons. And that's maybe where we can kind of begin here with Keontae George. And, and look, full-on sort of transparency My first impression of Keontae George was not very good. I believe I tuned into a game he was playing in the Big 12 tournament at the end of the season, and I just found myself really unimpressed. He didn't have any burst. I think he, um, you know, had a pretty wonky shooting line, if I recall. I don't have the exact box score in front of me. I don't even remember the game. I just remember kind of seeing Keontae George and being pretty nonplussed by what I saw. And to be fair, he dealt with an ankle injury in the second half of the season, which really hampered him. And so, you know, I probably wasn't getting the proper readout on Keontae George. In fact, we talked about this with Raphael Barlow a little while back when he was on the show to kind of talk about this range of the draft. And yeah, he he admitted, like, back part of the season, Keontae George did not look like a guy with much burst or explosiveness or athleticism or a first step. And that was the thing that really popped off the screen to me. It was like, this guy, like, he can't create space against anybody and that to me was a bit of a problem bear in mind though I'm not a scout and I didn't see him in the first half of the season when the ankle injury wasn't sort of hampering him down the stretch and it's entirely possible I'm wrong about my feelings on Keontae George but I went into this experience the sort of looking at the film reading the scouting reports from our pals Raphael Barlow and Richard Stamen and Adam Spinella over on YouTube does some really great breakdowns as well but the box and one or the box and one uh, YouTube channel I'm pretty sure either way Adam Spinella does a good job with his breakdowns there there. Um, you know, Kevin O'Connor, I went into this experience kind of diving into the film and the, and the scouting reports a little bit down on Keontae George just from my own personal experience. And while I think there are some elements of his game that are interesting that I'm not like totally sort of thrown off by and at least a little intrigued by, I still think the downsides of his game, the red flags, which we'll kind of dive into a little more detail coming up, uh, are a little too much for me to really be banging the drum for Keontae George for the Raptors at number 13. Um, you know, I, I, it's tough because on the surface, he brings skills the Raptors need. As much as he only shot 33.8% from three this season, the projections on his jump shot seem a little bit more promising than that. Uh, He shot 38% in sort of recorded high school competitions per Kevin O'Connor, and the jump shot looks pretty. Like, it's a nice-looking stroke. He could probably stand to do a little more catch-and-shoot and and a little less sort of pull-up threes above the break. That was a big part of his game this past season. And so, you know, either way, the three-point shot, it feels like it's going to be better in the NBA than it was at the college level. 
But beyond that, while that's a skill the Raptors badly need, and while they need shot creation, they need ball handlers, I don't know if the total package of Keontae George really checks all the boxes of what the Raptors need. Like, I think the Raptors need to be going in here looking for guards who can complement Scotty Barnes, who can play off or on the ball, I think, um, to sort of make it so Scotty doesn't have to do everything on the ball going into the future here. But obviously, Scotty is going to have the ball a lot because he's a visionary passer, and you want your visionary passer to have the ball, so you have to have someone who can play off ball as well. And just the overall sort of floor game, the sort of cerebral side of things, it doesn't really seem there with Keontae George on the same level that I feel like it is with, say, a Kobe Bufkin or a Kaysen Wallace, who we talked about last week, who I'm pretty bullish on both of those guys being really good NBA players. And for me, he kind of profiles George does as a dude who's going to get buckets off your bench for sure. But I'm a little concerned about how his game fits into the construct of like a serious, competitive, eventually contending team, because I don't know if he does a lot of stuff to kind of elevate those around him. And honestly, that's what I want out of my point guards. I want playmaking chops. I want guys who are going to set the table. I want people who are going to uh, sort of elevate the games of others with their playmaking and their gravity. And it doesn't feel like Keontae George has like the natural knack for that. That can grow, obviously. He's obviously a hard guy to evaluate because of the injury down the stretch. And evaluating any college player is always wrought with a little bit of, like, you got to look at the context of just the way the game is played. There's a chance some of his issues get ironed out in the NBA just with a little extra space. But to me, he does not scream point guard to whom you can entrust your offense and to whom you can kind of give the keys to your team. And I think they can probably just do better in this spot trying to get a player like that. I have a bit of a take on Keontae George's game, and maybe this is wild, maybe this is totally off base, but I feel like Keontae George profiles right now is the type of player that people think Fred Van Vliet is. The sort of impression you get from a lot of folks who are anti-Van Vliet are that, you know, he's a bit of a gunner, he doesn't set guys up, he's out for his own shots, he's too dependent on three-point shots, his defense has fallen off, which is true. With Keontae George, I feel like it's all of the bad stuff of this sort of picture of Fred Van Vliet, the dependence on three-point shots, the sort of iffy finishing around the basket, the inability to elevate and set other guys up. It's all this stuff that Fred is perceived to be without the good stuff of Fred Van Vliet, which is the six, seven, eight assists he's going to get you, the incredible ball security, the lack of turnovers, and the pull-up three-point shooting. Like, I, I, I feel like... You're, if you're one of these people who's like trying to shoo Fred Van Vliet out the door, and we're not here to litigate that right now, you can have your own opinions on Fred Van Vliet, that's fine. But if you're the type of person who doesn't want Fred Van Vliet on this team because you think he brings X, Y, and Z negative qualities, I kind of feel like you should be in the camp of don't draft Keontae George because I think he kind of brings all those worst tendencies that people like to ascribe to Fred Van Vliet. Again, that's just like a very simplistic, reductive take. I don't love player comps. I don't think they're similar players all told. Obviously, Keontae George at six foot four is just, it's a different ball game than a 5'11", six foot Fred Van Vliet. But again, I think the stuff that Keontae George doesn't do well is very much the profile of the sort of anti-Fred Van Vliet faction of Raptors fans who just don't like what he brings to the table. I think George brings a lot of those negative downsides. In addition to, in fairness, some pretty intriguing upside as an offensive player, I just don't know if it's quite enough for me. We're going to come back on the other side and get into the the strengths and weaknesses of Keontae George's game. And, and look, 
I'm ready to be proven wrong. Like if he comes out and is really good, like it might just be that I'm kind of a victim of stylistic preference and all of this stuff. But we'll get into some of the good stuff and in particular some of the red flags that make me feel like I'm not just kind of alarmist over the sort of red flags about his game. I think there's a lot here to make me a little bit worried about how Keontae George's game is going to translate to the NBA. We will get to that in just one second. Before we dive into the strengths and weaknesses of Keontae George, however, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, baby. It is the number one place to go to go and get into sports wagering. New customers right now can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That is a lot of dollars. Again, $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Right now is the perfect time to make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. The NBA Finals start tomorrow very exciting stuff. If you want to get in on that Miami Heat action or that Denver Nuggets action, it's the place to be. Go do it. Also, they have same-game parlays. So if you're watching the finals, you want to add a little intrigue to the thing, and maybe you get a little over on Nikola Jokic, a little under on Bam Adebayo, and a little over on Jamal Murray, by all means, go crazy. This is obviously a pro-Nuggets podcast, so make your bets in favor of the Nuggets, please. Um, although over on Kyle Lowry is a fun little uh, vibes thing to do as well, if you want to do that with his points or assists or charges taken or uh, big booties uh, possessed, whatever. Uh, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get a no-sweat first bet up to 2500 bucks. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Thanks, as always, to the everydayers tuning into the show to, uh, you know, hear about these prospects, baby. If you have not been an everydayer of the show of late, you've missed out some pretty good prospect talk. We dug into Jordan Hawkins a couple days ago, talked about Kobe Bufkin and Cason Wallace last week. We'll get into all your other faves. We're going to talk about Grady Dick at some point. We'll get into Bryce Sensabaugh. We'll get into Bilal Koulibaly, all sorts of guys who might go to the Raptors at number 13. Nick Smith Jr. is going to be on tap as well. If you have someone who you want me to talk about, join the Locked On Raptors Discord and hit me up with a message in there, and I will be sure to add them to my list of guys to discuss. Anyway, let's get into it now. The strengths and weaknesses of the, uh, the, the aforementioned Keontae George on the good side of things, it's the jump shot. It's the offensive sort of the, the, the sort of vision of an offensive package that's pretty exciting. He's got a really smooth-looking jumper, and most scouts, like I said, seem to think he's going to be a better three-point shooter in the NBA than he was in college. Crushed it from the left corner this season in particular, north of 40% there on 25-ish attempts. Um, and, you know, pretty solid from straight away, uh, as well as like a pull-up guy. It's kind of his office there pulling up from the top of the arc. Um 
he plays a very analytically friendly game. That's sort of the, the read on him as well. It's like all threes and shots at the rim, basically. Very little in terms of mid-range. You could look at that as a negative, too, because the mid-range becomes such an important element once you get into the pressure cooker of the playoffs and all that stuff. But as far as like analytically inclined players, guys, who are going to take the shots that you want to be taking on a Raptors team that loves mid-range shots uh, and kind of eats there, and maybe problematically so, having someone whose sort of shot chart is stratified up to the threes in the rim, not a bad thing to add to the mix. And he can get to his own looks. He, he's got a lot of, I think, potential as like a late clock bailout guy in particular. He can kind of rise and fire after, you know, doing a little bit of wiggle here and there. And he's got some craft in English on his finishes. He's all right finishing through contact around the rim. Problem is, is it's like it re- he requires a lot of craft and finish in these situations. He requires the uh, sort of sort of gimmicky finishes around the bucket to make it work. He shot 51% on layups this season, as Raphael Barlow notes in his breakdown over on NBA Big Board. That's a bad mark. 51% on layups is just no good. And despite the craft and the English and all the finishes he has, it doesn't translate to great results there. And I think back to what our pal Joe Wolfond once said about Fred Van Vliet as we continue this sort of weird, loose comparison. You know, Joe Wolfond, dear friend of the show from Pound the Rock over at The Score, he sort of branded Fred Van Vliet not long ago as the best bad finisher in basketball. Obviously, we know his numbers at the rim have never been very good, and he overcompensates for that by just having a lot of English and spin and different crafty finishes around the bucket. So when it does go down, it looks incredible. It just doesn't go down more than 55% of the time or whatever it is with Fred. And it kind of looks like Keontae George might be coming for that crown of best bad finisher in the league. Obviously, there's a chance that with strength and just kind of getting attuned to the NBA game, just refinement as a player, that those numbers around the rim go up. But it's certainly something to keep an eye on, that he shoots 51% on layups as we pivot now into the red flags. And I probably didn't linger on the good stuff long enough. Again, the, the defense, I think he tries quite hard. We'll get into some of the drawbacks of the defense that some of the scouts kind of point out, but he tries hard on defense. He's not going to be like a an anchor for you on defense. He's not going to be someone who is, uh, I guess, an albatross. What Anchor, good or bad? I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> he's not going to be the type of guy who gets like pinpointed and targeted over and over again, probably. Um, and so, you know, that that's, I suppose, a decent thing to have. And again, the try hard on defense is always good. But let's get into the red flags because there's just... I know George. George. Uh, <laughs> I know George is a guy who a lot of Raptors fans want to see the Raptors take because of the shot creation, because he's got that three-point jumper that looks like it's going to project to the NBA. I just feel like there's too many red flags here for a guy in the lottery to go and take. Um, you know, again, I love that he's an analytical darling for for the shot selection side of things, but I'm a little concerned that he's too dependent on his threes. Fifty-five point three percent of his shot attempts at Baylor were three-point attempts. That's pretty tilted. And, I don't, you know, obviously threes are valuable. The Raptors badly need guys to take threes. Maybe you want someone who's only going to take threes. Jordan Hawkins certainly figures to be that type of player as well. And I love Jordan Hawkins. I just don't know. The problem is, I feel like just watching Keontae George play, the reason that those threes are so prominent in his game 
is that he struggles to get anywhere else on the floor. He struggles to blow by guys with that first step. It's just not very explosive. Even if you look at highlights from before he picked up the injury in the middle of the season, still did not really blow me away or blow anybody away, uh, literally, with his first step and his ability to kind of get to his spots using his athleticism. It's going to be a lot more sort of craft and using screens, you know, strategically and all this stuff to kind of get to where he wants to go to rise and fire. And... You you couple the fact with the 51% mark on layups, that's rough, man. Like, that's just really... He was under 50% on short paint twos. Like, that is a problem, especially when you compare it to Kobe Bufkin, who had 72% of his shots at the rim compared to the 51% on layups for um, Keontae George. It's just... that's That's a really big disparity. That's a really kind of glaringly bad number on layups for a guy like Keontae George, who you you would hope is going to offer you some rim pressure as a ball handling guard. Then you go to the sort of mid-range jumper. It can be a little bit streaky. You know, some of the scouts kind of pointing out it's just it's not like he's going to step in and be like a mid-range marksman or anything like that. He doesn't do it very often. He shot just 33% on jump shots. Again, most of those coming from three this season. And it's just that combined with... The other offensive downside for me, which is just like pretty poor decision making and a lack of the sort of finger on the pulse of the game that you want to see from a point guard. Again, 2.8 assists to 2.9 turnovers. That's not what you want from a point guard. And if the Raptors are drafting a point guard, I want them to be drafting someone who's got a little bit more in terms of command of the floor and ability to kind of elevate others and get others their looks. And having more turnovers than assists, even in college, that's a glaring red flag to me. That's a problem. Um, you know, some of the stuff that you look at and look again, it's college numbers, but case and Wallace, for example, two to one assist to turnover ratio like that. That's what you want, baby. That's the sweet spot. When it comes to the decision making, there's a little bit over dribbling there. And I think he kind of gets forced into bad decisions because when he drives, he's not getting great separation. He's not blowing by guys. And so he's forced to kind of make plays around the trees as guys have kind of walled him off or they've just kind of made it difficult for him. Maybe they've sent two to the ball and he just doesn't have the burst to kind of turn the corner around those blitzes. He doesn't have the sort of ability to punch through the gap and split the double. He's got to do it with passing and he's just not an exemplary passer right now. And some of the decision making is not great. You factor in as well on defense, Richard Stamen, Mavs Draft uh, on Twitter. He also is on the NBA Big Board podcast. I think he's been on the podcast before. We like Richard a lot. Uh, he knows that the defense is pretty good on the perimeter, but there's a little bit of an issue when it comes to the defensive versatility and that there is none. He does not really have the ability to guard across different positions. And not that's not like a prerequisite for every player, but... Not having any sort of switchability is a problem. And as Richard Stamen notes, he tries hard. There's upside there at the point of attack, but he's really bad at defending two-point shots. And once guys can get a step on him, once guys get in, in the interior, he just doesn't really have the chops. Again, just 0.2 blocks a game, uh, just 1.1 steals, which isn't bad. He got a steal a game. That's that's fine. But we've seen Kobe Bufkin and, and Cason Wallace be up closer to that two-steal a game mark. Um, it, you know, it doesn't feel like there's just this like all-defense level potential with Keontae George that I kind of feel like was there with Cason Wallace. I don't think it's there with Bufkin, but Bufkin's a little bit quicker, a little bit more sort of nasty as an on-ball guy, it seems, from what I've seen. And so you put all this into one package, and I just have a lot of concerns, more concerns than I'd like to have for a guy that you're taking at 13, especially when you consider 
that at this range in the draft, there will be guys who offer the similar skill set of shot creation, three-point shooting guard play, but don't have these kind of glaring things that make you wonder, will this all translate to the NBA? I think of all the guys we've talked about so far, Hawkins, Bufkin, Wallace, and now Keontae George, I feel like George is the most likely to, four years from now, just like kind of be an unplayable NBA player if some of the other stuff doesn't come along. Um, It's just... And that's not to say that's likely to happen. He's still probably going to be a longtime NBA player. He's got offensive scoring chops. That's useful. That's a skill lots of teams need. I just don't know if the red flags are enough for me to feel comfortable with the Raptors taking him at 13 when there will be other options who have fewer of those glaring weaknesses. We're going to come back on the other side, get into where he's being mock drafted right now, get into why those red flags probably deem him Close to like a do not draft for me at this range for the Raptors. And uh, we'll close it out by sort of assembling my updated personal big board of the guys we've talked about. Before we do that, however, just a reminder, go check out Locked on NBA Big Board, the wonderful draft podcast with our pal Raphael Barlow, who I'm citing all the time on these podcasts. Same with Richard Stamen, same with Leif Doolin. Go check it out. They are super plugged in. They're at the Combine. They're traveling around. They're interviewing players one-on-one. Go check out Locked on NBA Big Board. It's fantastic. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's uh, round it out here. Your first listen of the day. Thanks to the everydayers who are along once again. If you are an everyday listener of the show, let us know in the comments. It's always nice to know who's checking in each and every day and choosing to look at my mug or those who are listening every day as well. You're not commenting on the YouTube, but uh, jump into the YouTube comments to let us know if you are an audio listener who tunes in every day. Love to see the people out there. Uh, All right, let's close it out here. Will he be there? That's kind of the question we've started these final segments off with a lot of these guys. And I do think for the Raptors, Keontae George will be an option for them at 13 should they want to go that route. Um, He's probably going to be there. Kevin O'Connor and Raphael Barlow both have him being mocked at 16 to the Utah Jazz. Uh, He's ranked anywhere from like 11 to 25 on sort of the consensus rankings. And so he's going to be there most likely for the Raptors, especially when you consider at number 12, I don't think the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to be taking a point guard there or any sort of guard, really. I feel like they'll go thundery and either go weird project or just go pure wing type. And so there's a good chance that Keontae George is there at 13, but I also think there's a good chance that there are much better players there at 13. And I do feel like this group of guys, George, Smith, uh, Wallace, Bufkin, Hawkins, all these different guys we're going to talk about here, someone's going to get squeezed. Just, you know, someone will get drafted too high. Some some team will jump and, you know, take a flyer on Bilal Koulibaly or Leonard Miller. And these more sort of refined guard types are going to slip down. And I feel like Keontae George has a chance of slipping out of the lottery, maybe more than these other guys. And I think, again, if you're the Raptors, I think you should probably try to go with a different direction at 13. Um, All of this, again, sort of a reminder, I'm a dummy when it comes to scouting, and I'm not actually a professional scout. I just kind of take what everybody else says and process it into my own little hopper and come up with my own thoughts out of it. But I think 
just the, the the sort of concerning elements of his game, uh, I think, are just too much for me to really want to go in. And it's just the nature of those red flags, right? There are some red flags. Not all red flags are created equal. Not all improvement areas are created equal. And for me, the the, the scoring at the rim and the just sort of general lack of burst, I don't know how that gets better in the NBA. Yes, there will be greater driving lanes to be to be had for guys, and there's just more space in the NBA game. But there's also way better rim protectors and way better point of attack defenders. And I just wonder if that lack of athleticism in first step is going to end up kind of rendering Keontae George a less effective player than you want to take at 13. Um, Ultimately, I kind of think he tops out as like a three-point dependent bench scoring guard who will probably like compete for a six-man of the year at some point. But again, like stylistically speaking, personal preference wise, that is not my favorite type of player to watch. I don't think that's the, the type of player who typically is like a key cog in championship basketball or anything like that. Teams need scorers, obviously. But for me, I feel like you can do better when you're drafting at 13 and go for someone with a bit of a higher ceiling as like an all around player. And I just with the playmaking issues, the you know, the, the more turnovers than assists, etc. I, I just we're talking about ceiling versus floor. I think his floor is probably going to see him be like a go-to bench scorer for a while. But with the playmaking being what it is, with the finishing around the rim being so glaringly bad, I don't know if the upside there is to become like a two-way starting level combo guard to whom you can entrust your team and to have you you know run and flow offense through. I don't think that's the type of player. So I would just rather go with a guy who I think has a better shot at that at 13 in a Kobe Bufkin or a Cason Wallace or some of these other guys we're going to get into. And even like Jordan Hawkins, yes, he's probably three-point dependent as well, but like his three-point shooting is elite. His three-point shooting can be done on the move. He can be an effective player off the ball. We'll see about Keontae George. He had the ball in his hands a ton this season, so we haven't really gotten a ton of an example of what he is as an off-ball guard. Um, And the three-point shooting might really help there. But again, is he going to be able to attack a closeout and get to the rim? suggests that if he does, he's probably going to miss it anyway or have a very good chance of missing it, and he probably won't get there to begin with. So it, it just, all of these things kind of come together to make me feel a little bit queasy about the idea of Keontae George at 13, even though I know I love, I, like I know lots of Raptors fans love this dude and really want to see him be the guy. I just think they can do a little better. And so if we're going to go back to my sort of personal big board and update where we sit here, I still think Kobe Bufkin's number one. I think the combination of his off-ball play his ability to cut, get to the rim, work in transition, uh, the three-point shooting he's going to bring, the self-creation he might be able to kind of forge over time, and, and just sort of imagining him playing off of Scotty Barnes, that feels like the easiest glove-like fit of all these guys. And so Buffkin's still number one for me. I have Hawkins number two, although him and Wallace, you can flip-flop, and I think it's totally fine. I think I just trust Hawkins to be like a reliable offensive addition to a team that doesn't take much away when he's on the floor more than I trust Wallace just right now um, as far as the offense goes but those two guys I like them both quite a bit and then I think there's a pretty big gap between Wallace and Keontae George for me right now Um, again I feel like a hater I don't want to be like a hater and I'm totally open to being extremely wrong about Keontae George as well that's the beauty of the draft is most of us are wrong all the bloody time but just the Again, the nature of those concerns, the nature of the weaknesses that are you know pointed out by multiple scouts, it's not just one, it's kind of consensus on the, the, the lack of athleticism and the playmaking and decision-making. To me, the Raptors can do better at 13 than Keontae George. If he's, you know, again, if all these guards are off the board 
and it's just Keontae George there and you're choosing between him and like a project wing or a big, then yeah, take Keontae George. If the run of guards goes early and he's the last of the bunch, I still think the skill set that he brings is absolutely necessary to add to the team in the draft this year. And so I'd rather go that route and hope that you can kind of massage along the more concerning areas of his game into becoming a more well-rounded player. You know, that's what player development's for. So, you know, George versus... Leonard Miller, Bilal Koulibaly at 13, I would still go George just because those skills are valuable and needed on this team. But if, like I expect, the run of guards doesn't quite finish by the time 13 is up, I think the Raptors could probably do better. And I haven't talked about Nick Smith yet. Maybe I don't really know my feelings on the Nick Smith thing just yet. I feel like these kind of, those guys are kind of in a similar tier right now for me. Um, very rudimentary digging into Nick Smith done so far. And so it's not a complete opinion or anything like that. But for me, still pretty far gap that where I find George below the sort of top three guys we've talked about so far. Feel free to disagree. Let me know in the comments if you disagree. Let me know maybe I'm missing something about Keontae George's game that I should be a little more excited about, but uh, that's where I'm at right now, and I, I do kind of hate just kind of like slagging on a 19-year-old. Uh, I feel kind of gross doing it, but this is what we got to do. Uh, it's an important pick for the Raptors at 13, and I don't think Keontae George is the guy to do it with right now. Um, We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We'll be back again tomorrow. I believe it's a Jamar Hines Day tomorrow, so we'll get Jamar along. We'll have some fun. And then Katie Heindel's back from her long escapade over to Japan. She'll be on the podcast, I believe, on Friday. So that should be quite fun as well. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Please subscribe, follow, rate, review for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube, of course. We are also um, on Discord, baby. The Locked On Raptors Discord community is a lot of fun. Link is in the description. Come hang out. You get access to mailbag questions and priority there. You get to chat with me and talk playoffs and talk the stupid, very disappointing Toronto Blue Jays and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, come hang out. Super fun. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. We'll be back again on Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.